Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Don't be ridiculous. Welcome, friends, to Perfect Stranger Things. An occasional dance of joy for your eardrums. I'm your host, Anthony. So, we missed the window for a season wrap, so we're going to get a jump on a season five preview. Steve and I talk a bit about the things we'd like to see the Duffer Brothers bring into season five. And then if you stick around afterwards, you'll hear a sample podcast from Double Dragon. That's going to be a Steve and Anthony joint. We will cover House of the Dragon weekly. So that's at the end of this pod. Okay, before we get to Steve, here's a few words from that Quaker Oats cutie. That's right. It's Mr. Wilford Brimley. You got a story in here. This is the damn story you ever read. Tell you what we're going to do. We're going to sit right here and talk about it. Now, we'll talk all day if you want it. It's the right thing to do. I thought we could either do like a season wrap or... We could do a way too early preview of season five. Yeah, but like no information. I think that's perfect. With zero information. So, right. yeah, I think that... What, I, like like a what to expect if we were in charge. If there's one thing that I've learned from cable news, it's if you're the first person to the story, it doesn't really matter if you get if the If it's facts really right. even a story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. So we're going to be the first of this party. We're going to do a the, the first season five preview of Stranger Things, and it'll be pretty simple. I've come up with three things that I would like to see them develop in Season 5, and I've asked you to come up with three things. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think one of us needs to go first. So this should be a three-sided die. (laughs) Why three? Well, because then there's a Goocher, and then no one will know. Of course. Of course, Goocher. Okay, I've got a 10-sided die. We've got eight (laughs) moons. (laughs) Uh, Why don't you go first? Why don't you go first? What's one thing that you would like to see them do with season five? I would like to see Will be... Okay, I I need Will to be uh, sort of full circle on this. I I need him to be a prominent figure i feel like he you want him to be a character in cruising (laughs) with al pacino yes i mean he's will is you know central figure in in season one but not like in terms of like he's just more of a hey guy we'll get will we gotta go find will right i mean and that sort of seems to be his his role and and I, i feel like it's time right i feel i feel like the last scene you know i mean will's he, he's obviously still connected 
to the upside down in a, in a uh, very uh, prominent way. And I feel like he needs to serve uh, a, a bigger purpose and, you know, and, and, and maybe put on a hat or get a haircut. I mean, that's like, those are like, in order for me, <laughs> in order for me to embrace this character and go on a journey with him, I'm, I'm just going to need, just like throw on, throw on maybe even a do rag. I would settle for a do rag. <laughs> uh, yeah, you. I think Will is due to have a major storyline. I mean, look, it's it's not like he wasn't an integral element. You can't have season one without the vanishing of Will Byers, right? Yeah, but you could have never shown Will. But right? he's he's more <laughs> of a MacGuffin, just... right? So yeah, yeah. If they let me let me put it this way. If they don't make him a major element of season five, I will be disappointed mm-hmm. because I feel like this. I feel like this last season was just all kind of the buildup to his coming out, and then that was a little bit understated. So, right, yeah. So because that because that's what you set this up for in many ways, right? Mm-hmm. You set up not only for him to be a major part of. Maybe understanding the upside down, but also the relationship dynamic between him and, you know, probably Mike specifically, but all the uh, other uh, kids in this, right? I mean, there's, and that's one thing that the show does so well is it, it balancing um, the relationship aspect, the human interaction aspect uh, alongside the thrills and the, and the horror and all that stuff. So I think... I think that you've you've introduced this in a way where I, I I trust that they can handle it well, and I and now I'm compelled. So you got to that's two delivery points, right? Like I need to deliver on the personal side of Will and on the you know the fan the fantasy, right? Side. And this show has sort of become famous for capturing some kind of 1980s authenticity, right? So I think what you got to do is if if they are going to make him a major character in the show they have to create conflict around his coming out i don't feel like these teenage kids in hawkins indiana are going to simply embrace will for who he is i I think that there's got to be and the other thing about this is that creating a story is about creating drama and that means that you create conflict and this is kind of ripe for some kind of commentary on what it would be to come out in Indiana in the 1980s. That's your, okay. So that's your first one, right? Or is that that's your first one? On yeah. Yeah. So you're piggybacking on mine. Okay. Um, okay. So uh, here's my first one. I would like to see a hip hop theme in season five. Oh my. I feel like for me, my discovery of rap music just changed everything for me. Like that, mm-hmm. that was all I listened to. And I think that they, they kind of hinted at it with the kid and play hairdo. Yeah. So you're thinking that there's going to be a point where they're going to be like, uh Oh, the upside down is now creeping into our world. You know, what we have to do. And they all look at each other and say a pajama jammy jam house party, house party, the mother of house parties, man, a pajama jammy jam. It's been a long time since I've heard anyone say pajama jammy jam. (laughs) (laughs) 
No, I I would love to see. Uh, they've done a great job bringing in you know alternative stuff. You know, they brought in punk. They brought in metal this last season. I think it's time to bring in hip hop. And uh, that's a good call for sure. It's just such a big part of my experience of the eighties. Uh, and it could be that that wasn't a big deal in Hawkins, Indiana, but um, it's not like the clash was really a big deal in Hawkins, Indiana, 1983 either. So, <laughs> all right, what's your next one? Um, if so, this is and maybe uh, touched a little bit on it when my in my first one, but um, I need I need to them to continue the the personal real life side of of stranger things and i think it's going to be a little bit more of a challenge this time because every season ends with the gate closing yeah and then so then you sort of pick up like okay now we're dealing with lucas trying to be popular and how that impacts you know their relationships and so you get you get all of those like every season begins with life trying to get back to normal this one ends with i mean there's just i just don't know if you're gonna get any of that right i mean uh it's yeah the the, the this one ended with the gate opening and it's uh the the their world is now gonna be i mean the upside down is is creeping in right so i mean i mean i expect we're gonna see a lot of monsters and there's gonna be it's bleeding into their world potentially. So it's like this one's yeah, gonna have. Yeah, I guess it depends potential. on how much people are just gonna go about their daily lives because it's like, like if Ted is your barometer, like his life hasn't changed a whole <laughs> lot, right? He's just gonna sit there and watch TV. Doesn't really matter what's creeping in through the upside down gate, right? Right. Well, I, I guess the thing for me is that the reason why life can continue to go on is because. Um, the the people like the, the the kids in particular they always seem to be aware of the upside down whereas none of the other people in in Hawkins mm-hmm. were right mm-hmm. and and they still think this is this is a result of an earthquake but all it's going to take is is one monster to be visible in their world and and then it's and then all bets are off right like I mean now they now they live in Monster Town and so and I I mean I, don't get me wrong I'm very interested to see and how that see the, how that happens but I. I get a little bit uh, concerned that this is going to become uh, like hyper focused on uh, you know on battles and you know yeah we want uh, we've so, always liked the balance we like the balance between right. sort of the everyday kid life stuff and this show's been usually good at, I mean if you think about like like where are the locations prominent locations in this show to kind of give us a sense of everyday kid life right the family video. They've used the mall. They've used in previous seasons. They've used the arcade. Is normal kid stuff going on in places like the mall or places like the arcade or going to the movies or something like that? Can you still go to the movies and just sit down and enjoy a movie in Hawkins, Indiana, or is it just apocalypse? Right. And so that and that that part and I think that's part maybe where I'm the most intrigued to see what happens. I mean, I I you know, trust them to take us on this journey, but there is a sense of like, we might lose. Okay. This is why I don't mind the timey wimey stuff because Mm. let's say it is apocalyptic hellscape in Hawkins. They could go back to 1983 and sort of experience 1983 culture, like Hawkins, Indiana, just like going about its daily business again. 
mm-hmm. uh, sort of a part of their mission to you know change something. I don't know. I mean, that, there's there's all kinds of possibility for that. That's true. I mean, that 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 does open up that that opportunity to to revisit it. Um, or even if it's just like some do, right? Like maybe not all, but some do. And so there's still an opportunity to, uh, to cultivate some of that. I mean, we, we have, you know, relationships that still need to be mended, right? I mean, we have the, the will Mike dynamic that just sort of kind of came onto the scene. Mm-hmm. And then you've got, you got the Jonathan and Steve and Nancy triangle, which is going to have to be reconciled. So all that can still exist, but if it's again, in the, post-apocalyptic hellscape then it does that does seem like that's going to take a priority so we'll see i mean we've got max in a situation you know obviously and so you know there's there's that to resolve but you think we might find I, ted and karen in marriage counseling <laughs> that's the other thing i mean well, and i will get to to my third in a, in a bit okay. but, uh, <laughs> <laughs> all, right. all right here's my second We're getting geared up for the 6th Annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. So every season they brought in an actor, a prominent actor from the 80s, right? So they brought in season one, they brought in Modine, someone that you probably hadn't thought about since the you know late 90s or something. Then they brought in uh, Sean Astin, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, then you brought in Riser, right? But then you also brought in this last season, you brought in... Um, uh, who's the dude that played Freddy? Uh, yeah, uh, Robert England. Yes, right, right. Yeah. So the, then you brought in Robert England. So if they are true to form, they will bring in an '80s actor to play 
a role, even if it's a minor mm. role, in the show. And I was thinking Linda Hamilton. Mm. Oh, because this would go right along with that. Yeah, I think it would go with the the Terminator t- uh, 2 stuff. And, you know, she, she might be a, a character that you could revive for this show. Um, mm, with that in mind, I would like to see Corey Feldman. Corey Feldman, of course. You'd love to see Corey Feldman. Yeah. Guys, I just came back from the Upside Down. It's crazy down there. <laughs> All right. Gonna go see him. Gonna go see him again next month. Very excited. Are you really? Uh-huh. Now, what's his his band called again? Well, he was uh, Corey and like Corey's Angels. Uh huh. Sure. Yeah, yeah. So I don't know if he's got the Angels with him this time. We'll find out. I like the idea that maybe he'd just be with like this little like jazz trio. <laughs> Where is he going to be performing? Um, someplace in Sacramento. Not very uh, large venue. Okay, if you go <laughs> see this, leave a review for Corey Feldman and Corey's Angels on the Double Dragon iTunes review feed. <laughs> right. All right. So that's mine. I'd like to see. I'd like to see them bring in an actor, and my suggestion would be Linda Hamilton. Uh, all right. What's your third? Uh, I need I need a lot more Ted and Karen. I need some resolution here. I need to know. Ah. I need to know why. I, I basically, if I was going to sum up my what do I want, I, I it would just be what's the deal with Ted? Um, <laughs> why, like, why was just Ma, you know, Karen and and the daughter in danger in Nancy's vision? Was <laughs> what was Ted also in danger? And they just straight up hate their father. Like, I don't know what's going on. Maybe Ted's okay. not a threat. Maybe Vecna's like, mm, just let that guy watch TV. He's we're gonna find out that Ted is Vecna the whole time. <laughs> you know, Ted was uh, starting to badmouth Karen uh, last season. Yeah, well, Ted, they really, I mean, they're weaponizing Ted. <laughs> That's what they're doing. <laughs> All right, here's what I would, my third one is. I would like to see a compelling Hopper storyline. Like he goes back to Russia and he's stuck there for a while? <laughs> How about something other than that? I would like to see anything but that. Just four episodes of him putting ointment on his bruised ankles. I think I was thinking about our coverage of season one, and I was just thinking how much of the Jaws DNA was in season one. And it was because Hopper was specifically modeled after the sheriff in Jaws. And there was just a massive part of that first season that was about Hopper trying to figure out what's going on in his small town. And I just love that part of it. Mm -hmm. And then you had more of like a, I guess at that point he just kind of becomes a duo with Joyce. Mm. And I'd, I really would like to see Hopper kind of return to the Hopper that we first met. Maybe a little bit more enlightened. You know, maybe he's a little bit, uh, you know, more healthy, uh, relationally right. healthy. But I would like to have, have him ha- actually have a, so- a storyline that makes sense and that has some something to do with the larger happenings of Hawkins, Indiana. Yeah, I almost I feel like maybe uh, the ship has sailed on um, the uh, Chief Brody version of Hopper, and I think we're now into full John McClane version of of Hopper. Yeah, maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. So maybe we see him, you know, barefoot crawling through vents, 
Yeah. Uh, that that would be that'd be fun. That, is, that that would certainly be. Fun. Just get him a, get him a catchphrase. Let's go. Uh, and maybe no more catchphrases for Dustin. I don't remember what it is. I mean, he had that one line. Was he was like doing things like was it like ga 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 going or whatever it was he was doing. He kept on having his. I'm like, all right, Dustin. We we find him charming enough. We don't need to. We don't need to try to make this a thing too. All right, so Steve, going to be a little while before we jump into our rewatch of season two. Where can people find us in the interim? You mean on our other podcasts, our myriad other podcasts? Yeah, if you have that information I mean, handy. Well, I mean, we do have uh, Cocoons of Horror, but uh, that's on hiatus, right? Yeah, but people could check out the catalog, I suppose. Yeah, they could they could revisit our revisits. Yeah, it's not like these movies that we're covering over Cocoons <laughs> yeah. are new releases. Most no, I mean, the, the biggest danger you have is that, you know, <laughs> that uh, Tubi is going to stop having Teen Wolf on it or something. <laughs> you got to rent it. The Cocoons of Horror, of course, um, you know, in, uh, House of the Dragon. Is this House of the Dragon or is this... Perfect Stranger Things. This is Perfect Stranger Things, but we definitely oh, okay. want to be promoting not House of the Dragon. I mean, we want to promote that, sure. But well, yeah, the Double Dragon double is dragon, where you're going to yeah. find us. That's kind of like the main place that you'll be able to find us in the next, let's say, three months. Yeah, you can you can revisit all the Perfect Stranger Things episodes for sure, uh, knowing that we will get to two and three. And what's kind of fun about when we do get to two and three is that we're going to be watching two and th- like when we rewatched one, we were in anticipation of uh, season four. And then now when we go to two and three, we're going to go in there through the lens of season four and, the, and looking forward to season five. So I think we might be looking for maybe some clues and crumbs that brought us to season four that we might have uh, now be able to find in season two. And I would think especially season three. Um, so that, that will make for a fun conversation, but we're not there yet, but yeah, so we're getting ready for uh, double dragon. And for those uh, folks that have been, uh, already hitting subscribe on double dragon, hoping that we would be like a Twitch live stream of us playing, uh, the NES classic double dragon. Um, and of course, uh, followed by double dragon two, that's not going to be the case, but I can't say it won't for sure be the case. Just, right? I mean, I don't know if you... it, because there's no sort of visual element, I think that if you just imagine us playing NES, mm. uh, I, I am the red character. Steve is the blue character. And right. uh, so that as we're sense. talking about House of the Dragon, um, we are playing Double Dragon at the same time. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense when you think about it because the game did involve fighting, and I'm sure there will be fighting in House of the Dragon. <laughs> and uh, at one point, a guy, a guy picks up a knife. I wouldn't be surprised mm. to see a knife or a dagger or two. Uh, I don't think we're going to see the baseball bat as prominently as you may have seen that in uh, the video game Double Dragon. So I learned a little uh, something about this, Steve, recently. Hmm. Um, so I was talking with the medievalist on over at Double Dragon. We every now and again we will interview a medievalist. Um, he was saying that in the medieval period, if you were a man of the cloth, let's say you're a a cleric, a bishop, a priest, something like that. You were not allowed to shed blood. And so oftentimes you'll see depicted men going off to war. One of them will be carrying something that looks very much like a baseball bat. And that's usually because that's a prince, prince bishop who owns land, who's functioning like a lord, but because he's also a bishop, he can't shed blood. So he's just out there with like a, a baseball bat kind of club to bludgeon people to death. 
to just stave off the potential of them making him bleed. Maybe he's just there for looks. You know, you got that one guy with a mace, and you're like, I'm not sure if that guy's going to be effective at all in this battle. But it's it's good to have a guy with a mace because otherwise, it's like you're not trying, right? Or like the ninja with nunchucks, like it just looks so cool. Right. You know that that guy's yeah. going to hit himself in the forehead at some point, but... Until then, watch out. <laughs> if you got a bunch of ninjas and no one's got nunchucks, you're like, these guys are phoning it in. <laughs> yeah, I mean, nunchucks and mace, maces are really just a show-off. Which you think uh, of, like, the role of a bishop in general. Like, how much of his job is just to show off anyway? It's true. And if you give that hint, you give that bishop a baseball bat, which is my favorite follow-up to if you give a mouse a cookie. <laughs> If you give a bishop, a bishop a baseball bat, he's going to bludgeon a peasant. Try out for the Padres. Okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So, yeah. So, so come check us out over at Double Dragon. What you're going to do is you're just going to go on your phone, you know, wherever you search for podcasts, and you're going to click that little thing that looks like a magnifying glass. It says search underneath it. Mm-hmm. That's going to give you a search bar, and you're just going to type in Double Dragon. Now, the great thing about this is that pretty much everyone knows how to spell double and dragon. Right. We've learned a lot. So we don't have the cocoons of horror problem. <laughs> horror. Horror. Right. <laughs> oh, Jesus, man, that's a gucci. Just a note I forgot to mention in my conversation with Steve. Our coverage of season one of Stranger Things will be on the Double Dragon feed. So you can do a search and just look at the first eight or nine episodes of Double Dragon. It will all be Stranger Things related. Okay, now Steve and I talk a little bit about our experience of the House of the Dragon premiere. There are two rules to remember if you want to have a good time. Rules! No rules! Rule number one. Keep your friends close, but your enemies close. Rule number two. You're a dragon. Be a dragon. This week on Double Dragon, Steve and I reflect on our experience of episode one without any spoilers. We're just talking about our feelings of the event and our anticipation going forward. And then after that, we just talk a little bit about our time together in California. Without further ado, here is comic Steve Osborne. So, Steve, we uh, we did it. We went to the premiere. We watched episode one of House of the Dragon. Uh, I don't think that we're allowed to talk about it. I think we've already said too much. So, I guess we're we're done. We're done here. We've done what we came. Yeah. To do. If you if you like what you heard, uh, please subscribe. Send us a message. Smash that button down below. <laughs> Rate and review. <laughs> Um, so what's, what's the parameters here? We can talk around it. We can talk about our feelings, right? We can talk about, I our think we, I think we give our impressions. Um, if the episode made me sort of feel things about my childhood, I could mm-hmm. maybe talk a little bit about, yeah, you could just talk about a time in your childhood where like, and then just like actually tell the plot, but you are like in place of a dragon. <laughs> sure. And then no one can, like, what are they going to do? Was HBO going to come out and be like, uh, you didn't live that life? Like, you don't know me, HBO. <laughs> All right. So I think, here's what I think. I think now would be a good time to reveal our new rating system. 
Does that mm. sound, sound okay. good? And then we sort of rate the episode, and then maybe we talk a little bit about the event around the... Uh... Yeah, I mean, any, as many episodes as we can get in before the actual series starts to make it all about us, I would, I, I'm all for that. Mm-hmm. So, uh, we have our new rating system specifically for House of the Dragon episodes. And, oh, we have, we have a new contributor. Oh, wow. <laughs> Get it out of your system. He saw something. He saw something. All right. He's probably going to give out one more chirp because he's a little OCD. <laughs> there. That should do it. <laughs> All right. Trying to live in a society here. Okay. So if you're familiar with our Cocoons of Horror rating system, it was basically Howard plus or minus, right? So ha- mm. Howard's the baseline, Howard's a good episode. Right. Howard would be a good movie. Ron Howard produces good movies. Uh, they, Solid. Yeah. Maybe maybe not spectacular. Yeah, they're going to have great acting. It's going to be a good, great plot. They, they're going to be movies that you might want to rewatch from time to time. They probably won't win Best Picture. You know, that's, that's probably like probably like, it's probably like pretty straightforward, right? Pretty like yeah. decent use of, of the cast. They've got a good cast. Sure. I'm going to say Danny is our mid-range. So Danny sort of is the properly Howard barometer here. So we're not going to just have like three new Howards. We're like going to have like a Howard the Duck. Mm-hmm. No, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> a Howard Hessman. It's a Hojo plus three, I would say. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, Howard Jones. I like that. <laughs> Already off the rails. Okay. So here's our new rating system. I'm going to say a Danny episode is a good episode, all right? And in the same way that when you were watching Game of Thrones back in the day, if there was a really good Danny episode, you'd think, oh, that was, that, was a, that was a really solid episode of Game of Thrones, all right? So that's our baseline. Then above Danny, we're going to say a good Dinklage episode, right? Mm-hmm. So, yeah. so if we get to like a Danny plus four, now we're in the Dinklage range. Right. And if it, you know, if a Game of Thrones episode had a really good Dinklage episode, now we're talking like one of the best episodes of television. Yeah, um, you're gonna be around that water cooler, and you're gonna be there for a while. Yeah, right, right. And then below Danny is the Dorn. So we have a mm-hmm. we have a Dinklage, Danny, Dorn, and I just want to say, just re- want to remind people, a Danny episode is a good episode. Right. Right. All right. So. Doesn't mean it doesn't mean that it's not doesn't have some flaws, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. And then so that's so it's a three D rating system. So if we're gonna say something that is a you know a Dinklage episode, it means it's a great episode. It was a great episode of television, and but we still reserve the right to say like Dinklage plus one, Dinklage plus two, you know, Dinklage Dinklage minus one, right? Like okay, yeah. we're, it's it's still better than a. Than just than than a good. I mean, it's uh-huh. it, like a, a, a Dinklage minus one is is a great episode, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's uh, the way you work it. So think of like a thermometer, but the degrees are you know sort of Dinklage in the high range. Then three degrees below is you're going to find the baseline of Danny, and then three d- degrees below that you're going to find the Dorn. But with all of that in mind, a Danny plus two is not as good as a Dinklage minus one. Right, and that's important to know. So I want everybody, like, you know, make your scales. What I would do, listeners at home, mm-hmm. um, I would I would get, I'd get some uh, some poster board and sure. maybe some crayons. Maybe, you know what, get those... Uh, get some post-it notes just to do a rough draft. 
Get some get some pens. Uh, get those pens that that uh, smell. Yeah. Right. You want those. You want some pens. S- some scratch and sniff stickers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Create, get a little chart going. You know, that's fun. <laughs> I'm, I'm a visual learner right now. Some of you are like, well, can I just use an Excel sheet? Like, mm, yeah, but you can't smell it. So get one of those. Sir sniffs a lot or whatever. Those. What are those pens called? S- smell it. Is that what they're called? I think they're, called they're just smell called pens? stinkies. They're just called stinkies. Yeah that's, yeah, that's sort of the British. <laughs> British. They, they rebranded them in in Britain as stinkies. <laughs> uh, yeah, I like that. The brown stinky smells like meat pie. <laughs> I know very little about uh, British culture. <laughs> I let you borrow me blueberry stinky. You never gave it back. Look, I've got my boys and bears stinky. I've got my meat pie stinky. I've got my stinky stinky. <laughs> what is the stinky stinky? <laughs> I'll let you figure it out. <laughs> All right, so Steve, uh, first episode of House of the Dragon, which we don't know the name for yet, right? We saw the episode. We did not actually see the title of the episode. So we're just going to call it the pilot episode. Pilot, yes. And um, on our new rating system, what do you think? I I would say and I'll uh, and again I'm not. This is a spoiler free zone, everybody. This is a spoiler free zone. Um, I would say that I was. Uh, it's it is properly Danny. I think it's a good episode. It's a good episode. I I think that there were elements where I'm like, I, I don't think I ever reached into. Is this a Dorn? I think I was definitely in the. So far, this is this. There were some moments where I'm like, this could be low Danny. There were zero moments in my viewing experience where I thought, uh oh, we got a, we got ourselves a Dorn on our hands. Right. Yeah, I would agree. And and but there was definitely moments where I'm like, not like. It was it was the catching factor. There were some mm-hmm. things where I'm just like, mm, is it catching me? What am I like? Because then you you're rife with expectations, right? I mean, I mean we've we had probably recalibrated our expectations about 17 different times, probably just on the way to the museum. To, yeah, to we it. we needed probably should talk about our expectations going into this, but let let's just go ahead and put you on the record. You're saying it's a properly Danny episode. Properly Danny, um, with some performances, I think that were flirting into the Dinklage range. Well, all right, that's good. And so I wonder if I'm actually surprised that you said that because I remember afterwards talking to you and Aaron, and you guys are both saying, "Oh no, this was good. This was really good." Mm-hmm. And so I thought, "Oh, I think that they liked it better than I did." So, but but I think that maybe you've settled. You've settled into a Danny. Is that, is that what I'm hearing? Yeah. No. Well, because I think what happens is is that you know we talked about this. A few minutes after, like we had our kind of our initial reaction. We didn't really know what to say to each other. You know, we had expected maybe that they would put us in a podcast corral. And we thought maybe we would be mm-hmm. somewhat separated, but we were right. We at the, the kids' I mean, table, but you're right. We had great seats. You know, we were sitting, you know, ten seats away from some of the actors, and it right, was, right. That was a little surreal. We should talk about that. But all right, let, let's let's talk let's talk about the rating. So, I thought you were going to go higher. And I was initially, I was thinking, good, not great. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, sort of on the plane ride home, thinking about, okay, so I think it was in the Danny range, but there were a few scenes that I just thought were electric. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And I thought because of that and because it never kind of dipped. Right. I'm going to say Danny plus two. Okay. Yeah. I And I think I settled on Danny, the properly Danny, because I almost feel like that is pretty good uh, praise for a pilot. Because right. you are... Because you're do this this episode, I believe, did a lot to set up, and and I, that's as far as I'll go, you know. But in terms of like, hey, yeah, that's kind of is... what I told uh, Sarah, and Sarah's never watched any Game of Thrones, um, so oh, wow. she's like, so did you and I'm like, you know how like first episodes they have to introduce a lot of characters, and they have to do a lot of exposition to tell you who the how these characters relate to one another and what their relational dynamic is. I feel like. This episode did all of that, but it also happened to be very compelling. And right. there were moments that it was it was just electric, and I thought that was fantastic. The the directing was was uh, very good. Um, yeah, you're right. I mean, like it's one thing to introduce characters; it's another thing to introduce characters and say, "Okay, now I now I, I get a pretty good sense of, of of who's what." I mean, that and that's a lot. I mean, we've already like we one thing about Game of Thrones is. They just kept on piling characters on, and it, and it still was working. Now, I mean, it helps if you start killing them off, too, so right. that, uh, you can replace them. But this one definitely, make, I'm like, wow, there's a lot going on, but it didn't feel cluttered. And that's, It didn't feel cluttered, and, it, yeah. and maybe it tried to introduce a few, uh, maybe fewer characters? I, I don't remember. I do remember, though, that in the original Game of Thrones pilot, it was famously, it was a mess. So much so, so that they kind of vaulted it and they had to recast a, f- a few characters and they had to go back to the drawing board for a number of scenes. If you go back to that first episode of Game of Thrones, it it has a much different feel. I mean, it just, it, it feels a, a bit hokier. Um, it feels like, uh, you know, is this, are you introducing too many characters? This didn't have that problem at all. This this had right. no point was I, was I thinking uh oh this is a little bit a little bit cringy yeah. so well tonally and uh, it's um, uh, the way that it, it it dealt with logistics and uh, just the the little bit of world building it felt that part felt very much like peak Game of Thrones watching. Well, and the other thing about this is that you have to do less world building with this episode, right? Right, right. I mean, you're setting up a time frame and all of that, and uh, it, it did feel, I mean, like, it, it, you get concerned, like, is it going to feel more like some of the hastened work in season eight, or is it going to feel like some of the patient uh, work in, say, season three or four, right? Mm-hmm. If I recall, we were walking, and as I was appreciating it more, I'm like, what I liked about it is that it had the confidence in its storytelling that it was still being patient. And uh, I like that. I like yeah, that. Yeah, we lot. were talking. So we were driving down from uh, the Bay Area to Los Angeles, which, for those who don't know, that's about an eight hour drive. And so on our way down, we were, t- you had, you've just started up Better Call Saul, right? So right. you're just kind of in, in the middle of season two now. And what I was saying that I liked about Better Call Saul was that I think that 
a lesser series would say, okay, you liked Breaking Bad. Let's outdo that. Let's make it. Uh, let's, let's make it. You know, more thrilling than make Breaking Bad. And what Better Call Saul did was like, nope, we're going to make it more subtle. We're going to make the the character dynamics more nuanced. We're going to be very patient with the story that we're telling. So instead of sort of going bigger, they went deeper. Right. And then, and I was saying, I, I would like to see them do something like that with this episode, but c- come on, it's not going to, it's HBO. It's, it's going to try to go bigger. It's not going to try to go deeper. Um, I think it might have gone bigger and deeper. I think, I think you're right. Um, and part of that too, like if you're just going to do a straight comparison from, uh, uh, you know, pilot to pilot or first episode to first episode. Well, of course this should have, this should have all the lessons learned to some degree of, of, you know, from that Game of Thrones. Because Game of Thrones wasn't Game of Thrones when it came out, <laughs> you know. I mean, budgets are different. Uh, act, mm-hmm. You know, everything's different, right? And so the backing of the studio is different. So in this case, I mean, you've got, you know, you've got full support of studios, of producers, and so you've got all kinds of hands in this thing. You've got, you know, your effects are better, your uh, your set pieces are probably richer. I mean, just everything, right? So, um, well, also you you became you became the appointment television viewing experience for five years straight, and because of that, you can probably grab actors that you right. know are going to do solid work and. Well, it was interesting because we were talking to somebody who, I don't know if she was a direct representative of one of the actors, but she was certainly like part of the team, right, mm-hmm. of the sure. representation. And she was referring to, uh, you know, talking about her experience with the actors, and I forget exactly what it was, but I think there was this sense of, even from, from the actor's perspective, like maybe not really realizing what uh, what he had gotten himself into in terms of... <laughs> Sure. what the expectations are going to be yeah. the uh the level of of fandom that mm-hmm. um he's going to encounter and you know and i think there was something about that too like i even we had the discussion like we were talking about just what to wear and how we compose ourselves and and you had a few times said uh, things like i mean this is not a movie premiere it's a tv show <laughs> and i'm like yeah this isn't you know like yeah. Season three of Cagney and Lacey, you know this is <laughs> this is Game of Thrones. I mean, this is as this is about as big as a TV yeah. show will ever be. I know, but I guess I was just thinking, like, come on, it's this is a this is a premiere. Anything, anything I can watch in my underwear, yeah. <laughs> um, Ultimately, right. I think what it came down to, you, you you figured anything that would invite us, how good could it be? <laughs> All right, yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, and shout out to HBO, though. I mean, they certainly didn't have to invite us, and we'll invite you and then uh, me tag along. But it was uh, it was great. I mean, there was there was I felt like there was no no corners cut. It was just it was well. Also, there wasn't like a kids' table thing. Like we, you know, for for most of the evening, we were you know five feet away from some of the people that were in the show and yeah you got to talk to a few of these guys uh and whether they liked it or not whether they liked it or not and uh so anyway it was it was there was it didn't feel like we were partitioned off in any way um no it was it was fun it was fun yeah i want to talk about the experience before and after all right so i my sense is that like and i i think i mentioned this to you in the car on the way down i was thinking 
I don't think that we are going to be in a good space to experience this objectively. How can we not be built up for the built up for this event? They're making everyone that goes to this thing kind of feel special. How can we not be built up for this event? Right? It's not just a show, it's an event. And so my feeling was we're going to be let down. Yeah. We're built up for this. It doesn't matter how good it is. Even if it's good, it's going to be kind of a letdown because because the actual show on the screen is not going to live up to the experience of being at this premiere. Um, I did not feel let down. No, no. I mean, we were we were built up for it. Yeah, I think it delivered. It delivered. Right, and our and our viewing experience is going to be very different than anybody else that we know. Right. I mean. Uh, just seeing it early, right, is, is and not being able to talk about it. And that's another thing I think that is interesting about about the Game of Thrones experience, how much that show existed beyond the hour you watched, mm-hmm. right? And so we we left that, and we could talk about it with each other. Um, but even now, here we have a podcast about it. We can't talk about it. And it so and I yeah, think that's what also occurred to me, Steve. We didn't have to go. We could have just pretended. Oh, yeah. yeah. That would have saved us a little bit of money for sure. And we, 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 same difference. We're not going to tell people what ha- what we saw. Yeah. this I just realized just now that, yeah. that we we absolutely could have just come on this podcast and said everything that we just said. Mm-hmm. In fact, now that I planted that in the listeners' minds, they're going to be wondering, did these guys actually go to the event? Right. They're just yeah, making this up. that's a good up. point. That's a good point. So we're kind of like Schrodinger's podcast. Podcasters, yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, given that the uh, open bar, uh, I, I'm i not entirely sure I was there. <laughs> now, you, I, I do want to mention, afterwards, you did speak with uh, Sapochnik. I, I saw, saw you talking with Sapochnik. Um, I saw you talking with uh, Lizard from Spider-Man... Mm-hmm. The, the the second Spider-Man reboot. I'm not really sure how to na- say his name. Uh, uh, Riz Iffens is how I've been saying it. Right. But and now, I, now him... I think maybe it's Reese. I don't know. I don't know how that. We're just going to call Be- him Lizard, right? And because of your uh, insecurity, I've only referred to him as Lizard. <laughs> sure. All right. So li- you did talk to Lizard. I saw that. I think it is Reese. Oh, it Iphans. is? All right. I yeah. Okay. Or it could be Riz Iffens, or it could just be Lizard. He did Riz have Ipens. two arms. I I, I like that Riz you pointed I, that Riz out. Ipens. Yes, he did. Yeah, it did grow back and looked good. Clearly, the the lizard serum is working for him. I don't know if that's what you guys talked about. I didn't. I wasn't actually. I didn't actually overhear your conversation. You know, he was pretty hush hush about it. He said yeah. the whole thing about proprietary, and he said that if I had the time to to uh, sign an NDA, and I said, look, man, I just want to. Say I liked your arm. <laughs> I thought your arm was great. I thought yeah. your arm was great in this episode. Convincing, very Do- Doctor yeah. Lizard, Doctor Con. So, so right now, everybody's like, "Well, there's our first spoiler. He's got two <laughs> arms in this movie." And then, I, all right, I'm sh- I'm I'm blanking on the third uh, celebrity brush up that you had. I mean, I had a very uh, brief little wink and nod towards Matt Smith, but the. Uh-huh. Uh, and then um so wait, you just what what was it sort of like a a point and a wink it was and more a, of a drink up 
A little nod and a wink. Oh, so you had finger. you had the cocktail in your hand. Yeah. And you and you raised a glass. It was sort of like I'm raising a glass to your performance. Exactly. Mr. Mr. Damon Targaryen. All right, yeah. excellent. And then was there an acknowledgement from across the room? Uh, we were real close, and he gave me a a little nod back and a, a little, uh-huh. little bit of a of a smile. So, and about it. I mean, at that point, did you retire to his room? I I wasn't there the whole time. <laughs> I again, I that cocktail that I raised might have been number seven. So you tell me, <laughs> you tell me where I ended up. <laughs> okay. Um, is there anything else about the actual event? Uh, that that you wanted to mention. Well, what I liked is that we like we because we're we're dummies, right? I mean, we we get to the after party, we're herded into this to the we're getting we have no idea where we're going in the after. Yeah, party. we have no like I you know we have no connection. We've been in L.A. a number of times, both of us, but we've never any had any kind of Hollywood connection before. Right. Uh, so anyway, yeah, go ahead. So so we're just sort of following. We're you know this is our opportunity to be talking about. Uh, the show and and I know that like we don't have we have like our ticket um, but you're going from the theater to the after party so there's no real need to show your ticket at this point because if you're in you're in but I did know that there were people that had um, lanyards that said red carpet right so that's we waiting for all the, uh, the the red carpet folk to come in before the show uh, started and and by the way uh, George R. R. Martin was not there because he has COVID um, so mm-hmm. we were getting, so we're getting corralled, and so we're still now. This is sort of the moment of. And truth, by the way, right? I'm, I think that that will help him write Winds of Winter. I just, <laughs> he just has some time. I mean, I think that, I think that the, the general logic would be like, oh no, he's he, he's going to die. I I don't think so. I think it's sort of like he just needed a little bit of downtime. And this will serve as inspiration for his writing. But all the characters are like coughing and, and have new confusion. There you go. But you just write what you know. But yeah, so we so we're now kind of the moment of truth. Like, where do we get to go? Right. Like, at some point, is there going to be a show me your red carpet lanyard, and then you go in here, mm-hmm. or you know? And we just next thing you know, it's like you want a mac and cheese ball. And here's what I want to say about uh, Hollywood parties: No Hollywood party is above a mac and cheese ball, and that matters to me. Mm-hmm. Now I did not have the mac and cheese ball. Did you partake in the mac and cheese? Ball? I did not. There was one left on on the plate, and I wanted to sort of you know act like I've been there before. Right? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to go for the first mac and cheese ball that comes my way. Let's see what you got to offer. Uh, and at one point they offered us a spoon of corn. <laughs> yeah, I took that not knowing what it was, but I thought you're serving it in a in a Japanese ladle spoon. I'm probably going to like this. Yeah, and then and we I was not prepared for the the the, the, the sense that was corn that it was going to be corn. Like, why, <laughs> why serve it that way if it's corn? <laughs> you you wanted it on the cob. <laughs> yeah, if you're going to serve me corn, I want it on the cob. That's right. <laughs> or just one big giant cob that you just kind of go and take a bite of, like a shawarma. Um, <laughs> We, uh, so, so then we go like, okay. Cheek to cheek with (laughs) Matt Damon. (laughs) Sorry, not Matt Damon. What am I saying? Matt Smith. (laughs) Matt Smith, sure. Yeah, we're, so then we're like, hey, there's a bar, right? And, uh, and a part of me is thinking, uh, let's, let's, let's get a little, 
let's get a little liquid courage into us because who knows, right? Are we gonna are we gonna talk to people? Are we gonna mingle? And the bar is just jam packed. So we're like, all right, let's just get in line. We even set a timer to see if it was even worth our effort. We went and got two drinks each, one for us and one for our dates, as we said. Um, so now we're walking around with two drinks in our hand, and now I'm like, you know what? This is way more gauche than getting that first mac and cheese ball. <laughs> Just now, I want you to, I want people to know, I feel a little bit like, even though it was my idea to say that we needed a drink for our dates, um, I, I knew I was going to drink both drinks, but I didn't feel like, I felt a little self conscious about holding a drink in both hands. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so I just kind of pounded the first drink. Right, yeah, same, same Z's. Uh Yeah. <laughs> and then, like, you know, after a while, the bar just sort of opens up. And uh, and then that was that. But, yeah, then, so, like, then we remembered food. And, like, the food was just, like, a giant buffet charcuterie board is what it was. And we would just... It felt very Game of Thrones just when we walked up and there was like, oh, there's not a lot of stuff here. And all of a sudden, someone just comes over with this giant plate of meat and just pours it all over the table. Just starts just dumping mountains of meat on the table. <laughs> yeah. And we just, yeah, it was, it was, after a while, we, we, we started to just fit in. Yeah, you, you, I followed your lead. You would just, you would just, when you're done with the plate, you would just go set it on a topiary. <laughs> Figure someone will deal with it. Just set set it on a, a fake hedge, yeah. Uh, yeah. you know, and all of a sudden it would just disappear. That's Hollywood magic for you right there. Okay, there were other elements of our uh, our California experience that I do want to discuss. This is not Game of Thrones related at any point. This is not House of the Dragon related. So if you need to like uh, skip off. It's, you know, go go do something else. You don't want to hear about any of this stuff. Then just turn it off now. No one's going to blame you for it. Um, so before the event, we're going to San Francisco. We're both going to go to Punchline together because you've got a responsibilities at, mm-hmm. at Punchline. And your idea was, I'd like to buy a new hat for this event. Ah, yes. yes. All right. Now, I've never been hat shopping before. I've been in I've been in stores where I saw a hat and thought, oh, I think that I'm going to buy this hat. But I've never gone to a hat store in the city specifically to buy a hat. But uh, but not only did you know where this place was, you actually had like a subway punch card kind of thing right. where if you buy 10 hats, you get one free. Right. And so you you whipped that thing out and you got us a discount on some hats. And I just want people to know that Steve was very close to buying a seafoam fedora. <laughs> yeah, and I'm not a fedora guy. You've never been a fedora guy. I don't think that either of us believe that you can pull off a fedora. But at one point we thought if it's a seafoam fedora... Right. Then, yeah, then absolutely. Let, let's see what it looks like on Steve. And we both thought it it almost looked good, right? Right. Yeah, almost. So, for some reason, we were dissuaded from getting the, the seafoam fedora. Uh, although, I am sure that the the store would have been happy, would have been happy to sell it to you, right? Yeah, I think that was actually their intent. All right. So... But you did get a couple other hats. You're happy with your your purchases, I'm assuming. Yeah, my uh, yacht rock uh, bucket hat, mm-hmm. which you That's wore on stage that night at the yeah. at, at San Francisco Punchline. 
Definitely a different look for me as well. A little, uh, it's it's a reversible hat. It's got like mm-hmm. kind of like jungle leaves on one side, and then the other is gray with a little embroidered martini. Yeah, a little martini, martini glass with a little stir stick, and an olive inside. I think. Yeah, that's correct. Yeah. So you got that. Now, for me, now those are, you know, two notable purchases. For me, I've never been to a hat store. I would have never thought to go to a hat store. And I went to this hat store, and I made a very bold purchase. Very bold. Which is which is a big deal. Like, like you know, you, you absolutely bought hats that, you know, and one of the hats, bucket hats, sort of unlike a hat you've worn before on stage, right? Right. For me, I went for the very first time. I went for with a full 360 brim, and and as we've noted before, I can be adventurous when it comes to headwear, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but this was my first step toward the fedora. It was more of a, a I think it's called a Charleston. Is that okay? Uh, it kind of has that short brim. It flips up and goes all the way around. It was a big step for me. But you put it on, and we immediately were like, hey. You know, it was one of those moments where, like, you got to really stop and, like, because it, it, you, you put it on and it was like, hey, this looks good. And you ha- had I was a li- like, I was a little bit surprised that I thought it looked good. Yeah, and I wanted to live in the, in the let's be let's be surprised by joy uh-huh. and not dwell on the shock of it. Like, hey, we can't believe it. Because, and then now, because then you start talking in the negative. So let's just embrace the positive. And so... Uh, it, and then I tried it on to say, well, maybe, maybe I don't know, maybe, maybe I. And then we, I immediately were like, nope, nope, you look ridiculous. <laughs> so yeah, so I was, I was surprised by that. But here's the other thing I wanted to note about our San Francisco experience. All right, I've seen you do stand up before, mm-hmm. and I've been to you know big comedy venues before, famous comedy venues before. Seeing you at the San Francisco Punchline was a whole different experience for me. And I want you to know that I was kind of in awe of the power you wielded at this event. (laughs) And I mean, you're laughing because it kind of sounds funny, but I'm being totally sincere here. So I just want people to note that this is a venue that seats, what, like 125 people or something like that? Yeah, yeah. All right. So imagine 125 people packing a space, but about 50 of them are comics who want to get on stage. Mm-hmm. They're they're on the sides. They're lining the bar. These are all comics that come out every Sunday night, maybe for years, mm-hmm. just for seven minutes of stage time. And Steve has all of them on his spreadsheet, and he has the power to decide who gets to go on stage and who does not. That's true. And there's no one else in the room that has that power. They all have to come to Steve and say, hey, man. I've been coming for two years. I'm moving back to Houston tomorrow. Is there any way I can get on stage, even for five minutes? That's true. And then, out of generosity, you let the the young fellow on stage, and he was not great. Right. And so you pull you pulled him off. You pulled him off stage. Um, it was just something to behold. I, like you know, I, I just want to say it was. It was. It wasn't like you know Daniel Day Lewis and There Will Be Blood kind of powerful. <laughs> But it was legitimate. It was legitimate power, and I and I thought you wielded it very well. You brought up established voices that you knew were going to pull off the set. You also brought up new comics. There was a nice diversity of voices. Uh, I, I could see that it's 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 quite a balancing act, and uh, I think I think that you you wore the crown, 
and you wielded it well. Well, thank you. No, it, it is. It's a lot of work. It's uh, um, it's a process that you know I that I had to go through, obviously, to to get to be passed as a as a comic at Punchline. So you have a appreciation for the process. Some people hate it, you know. Some people, even though they pass, they they still hate it. Some people just refuse to to engage in it. But it's it's it's, it's a process they've been using for decades, and you know it's it's been working for them. And so you you know so there's a respect for the process. Uh, but you are still producing a show, so you want people that paid money to have a good evening. So you have to kind of you have to be in, watching the whole thing, right? Mm-hmm. You're watching. You want to you want to take care of the club. You want to take care of the audience, and you want to take care of the comics that are paying their dues, right? So uh, appreciate you you noticing the work that has to go into yeah, it. Yeah, sure. Yeah, I was, and then I was just going to note that it was kind of fun to see you go from sort of like the king of the comedy club to kind of like a peasant at the Hollywood premiere. <laughs> Yeah, that seems about right. Uh, you know, now now you're a schlub like the rest of us again. <laughs> yeah, they, they don't know what I went through the night before. Anyway, sort of synopsis here. We both liked it, and we think that you're going to like it. Uh, so we can't wait to talk talk a little bit more about the plot once it's actually out mm-hmm, on HBO. Sure. Not, not so far away at all. And by then, maybe Steve will have built up the courage to buy that seafoam fedora. Uh, not wearing it to the premiere, but just kind of wearing it around the house for Heather. Oh, no. No, not at all. <laughs> no. Uh, anytime I sent her a picture of the of the hats, she was like, uh, she'd have a, a comment that was not what I would consider encouraging. I think you did send her a, a text with the fedora. And I think she she texted back, does it come with a pony? Yeah. yeah. Thank you.